SBR, the people's pod, giving you unfiltered and unqualified content every single week. I'm Cliff. He's Joe. Welcome back, everybody. What's up, everyone? Two pods? <laughs> giving you another pod in a week? Two pods? Too much Too much going on. Too much going on, Cliff. Too we much cannot take stuff. breaks right now. I know. <laughs> cannot take there, breaks There's right a now. lot going on. It's hard to take a break when we said we're going to do the Eastern Conference standings after the Western Conference That's true. standings. We can't wait another two weeks to do Eastern Conference. And there is a lot of good stuff to talk about. So again, just like last time, we're going to play Boom Bust. I guess we got to add the third one, burn it to the ground <laughs> on preseason expectations. If you don't remember, ESPN has based this on, how do you say it? Shonen? <laughs> so Cliff, how Show you actually say this is Shaney. Oh, Shaney. And okay. it's not an acronym. I thought it was. It's not an acronym. It's based on a player. His name is Russ Shaney, who played four seasons in the NBA in the 80s for huh? the Supersonics. And basically, Kevin Pelton that? just made up this. Th- so I was looking it up, and I was like, what is this metric? Yeah. This fool just made this up. It's not anything. <laughs> it's like it, it takes performance over the past three seasons and then weighted by age height weight like all these categories and then you're trying to predict what they're gonna do in the next season based on another player who is similar to them from the past okay (laughs) this is the dumbest and basically it's not even really good (laughs) because they keep tweaking it no yeah they're tweaking it because they're trying to figure out how to make it a good predicting thing but it's just freaking some random thing that kevin pelton just invented and the name is just about some guy and then of course they use a rapum regularized adjusted plus minus it's supposed to be a little bit better than plus uh adjusted plus minus which is supposed to be a little bit better than plus minus but as you said cliff previously nobody believes these (laughs) metrics it's just made up crap this is for real made up crap though like more so even than like per or it's freaking really made but up. if but anyway. you post it if you post it it's canon and we're That's gonna true. make fun of it yes we will we will we will comment on it <laughs> let's put it that way here we go so the 22 23 eastern conference standings you got the celtics number one the bucks number two the sixers number three the Raptors, number four. The Hawks, number five. The Heat, number six. The Nets, number seven. The Cavs all the way down at eight. Wow. Knicks at nine. Hornets at 10. Wiz at 11. The Bulls way down at 12. Wow. The Pacers at 13. The Magic at 14. And the Pistons at 15. The Pistons at 15? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, name me five Pistons right now. <laughs> uh, Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, uh, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, and Ben Wallace. <laughs> I honestly don't know if I can. Oh, current Kate, Pistons. Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham, of course. Jeremy Grant is no longer there. <laughs> Isaiah so Stewart. Killian Hayes. Yeah. Ooh. You there? You there? No, that's it. <laughs> that's it. We're tapped oh, out. Man. Dang, is that it? Cliff, it really doesn't matter. 
It really doesn't matter. I only know Isaiah Stewart because he got all pissed at LeBron. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he went crazy. Um, It doesn't matter, Cliff, because they are not going to be relevant to this NBA season at all. All right, Joe. We got to start with the Brooklyn Nets because we always start with the Brooklyn Nets. But with a roster with KD and Kyrie, I mean, I think it warrants our time. So, Joe... This is going to be a long one. The Nets have started the season 2-6, and six, but KD averaging 32.5 points per game. If it's sustained, it would be his highest points per game. Kyrie mm. is averaging 27, even while shooting an uncharacteristic 28% from three. He's been over 40% five of the last six seasons. Of course, so. Ben Simmons is the new wrinkle they've added. And after all that hoopla, he's averaging 6-7-7. Seven, and seven. The triple <laughs> single. Yes. But what stands out, of course, is they're tw- they are 28th in defensive rating. They give up the most rebounds per game. Wow. The best offensive team in the league, Joe, is whoever Brooklyn is playing against. <laughs> they become <laughs> the best offensive team in the league. To be fair, Steve Nash has never built his home on defense. But in the shocker of the week, Steve Nash was fired. Crazy. KD was shocked. That is shocked crazy. to find out after waking up from a nap. <laughs> I don't know why that detail <laughs> made me laugh. God, it is funny. I don't know why, but it is funny. I got shocked. Sean Mark said zero input from any of his players on this. Mm. It was a decision that we didn't need that. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> when we're having these conversations, Nash is aware of they're not responding to me right now. Gosh. <laughs> or that was not the performance I needed to see out there. This is How so bad. How bad. How bad, Joe. It's crazy. Is there a worse stint as a head coach than Steve Nash? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think it's possible. I mean, gosh. The real question, Joe. Mm. Have they determined the next head coach? They asked this to Sean Marks. He said, absolutely not. Yeah. Which is interesting because the most shocking part of this entire story, the wash bomb that dropped an hour before that press conference saying, Ime Yudoka will be the Nets head coach in 24 to 48 hours. What, Joe? It's crazy. That's what? Because <laughs> why would? Uh, it's just crazy. So after all of that, Joe, boom, bust, or burn it to the ground on the Brooklyn Nets preseason projections at seventh. You gotta burn it, Cliff. What? <laughs> they got Yudoka. They got Yudoka. It's time, Cliff. It's time. No, they got Yudoka. Okay, think okay, when you first when it first came out, Nash fired. I thought about it, right? And I was like, "Oh, great." I, at first, I was like, "Oh, my yeah. initial reaction yeah. was this is good for them." Okay, but then I yeah. thought about it. Okay. Why would you fire Nash now? You needed these 7 games, Cliff. You had to like that's what gave you what the heck? Like why did it take this long? Why didn't you just fire him in the summer when Katie asked for it? Like, that, wouldn't that have made a lot more sense? So you're telling me something I mean, yes. has changed between then and now 
where all of us what just some just the summer just camp plus seven games into the season a two and five start and now you're like okay no now i've seen enough now i definitely we definitely have to fire nash i mean unless there's another shoe that's about to drop where there's some scandal or something but i'm pretty sure there isn't i'm pretty sure for some reason inexplicably all of a sudden now they realize that steve nash is a terrible coach cliff how long have we known that steve nash is a terrible coach day one since day one since day negative 15 like we since knew he was hired we were like this before is not gonna he even go well. took this job that he was gonna be a bad coach he had mike d'antoni on his staff I mean, come on, a, a guy who's probably 10 times as, um, like a 10 times better coach than him is on his staff. It, it just makes no sense, Cliff. But it's not even the thing that he needs. He knows right. no, D'Antoni. He needs that's someone that's different. He needed someone defensive. Yeah, so that choice also told he us that this was a bad Ham. decision. Frank he didn't Vogel. have the gravitas. He didn't have the resume. You got Kyrie coming in saying, "Yeah, he's a perfect, he's a perfect choice." Because guess what? We don't even need a coach. So if you don't need a coach at all, this guy is the perfect coach because he's basically not a coach. You know, I mean, this just makes zero sense. If you had fired him in the summer, at least you appease Katie a little bit. That's true, because he said like fire going, both of them, right? Yes, but you say, okay, no, we're keeping Sean Marks, and then Sean Marks comes in and says, hey, KD, you know what? I agree with you. Steve Natch is not a good coach, so let's get rid of him, and let's find a good coach. Then you can do a real coaching search. Then you can find somebody who's actually qualified, who gets a full training camp, who can come into season, set the tone, and then you come in with this idea that, hey, we're setting a new direction. Okay. Right, look, okay, we want to – last year, definitely a disappointment. We got destroyed in the first round. We don't want that to happen this year. We got a new coach, new voice, all that kind of stuff, right? Now this is just – I mean, as much as you, you don't want – like, you don't want an organization acting like fans, but this is basically what a fan would do, right? Like, if we were the, if I was the coach, this is something that I would do. If I were a Brooklyn Nets fan, seven games into the season, where you're like, all right, let's fire the coach. Yeah. But that's not something you want the organization to do. <laughs> you don't want, like, to me, this is when one of my kids throws a tantrum, okay. but then my reaction to the tantrum is worse than the tantrum itself. <laughs> You know, like he's like going crazy, like, ah, you know, crying or whatever. But then I go even more overboard, like, you know, ah, like I go more crazy than him because that's worse because you're the adult and you're the parent and you're supposed to be in the one in the room that's making sound decisions, like rational decisions based on something legitimate. Now, what do they have, Cliff? Now they're going after Ime Udoka. What is what is the Brooklyn Nets known for to this point, Cliff? If you could use one word to describe the culture of the Brooklyn Nets, what's the one word you would use? Drama. Exactly. Right? I can always count on you to say the exact word I'm thinking. The, there's Drama. another word that I really like. Baggage. <laughs> that is another good word. And guess what, Cliff? Who are they thinking about adding? Somebody coming in with a ton of baggage and a with ton a of drama. One-year suspension from his team. I mean, this makes absolutely no sense. This is 
a hundred percent on tilt. This is freaking <laughs> what's his face? This is KGB at the end of rounders, just like I beat it all. All I splash the pot whenever, whenever. The... <laughs> I please, you know, like because you're on tilt and you. You're throwing the Oreos like it's over, man. He you got a bird. Like you don't even see it coming at this point. You know? That ace could not have helped you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you don't even see it coming. You don't even see the nut straight. Like you, you didn't even consider it, right? That's what the Nets are doing. They have no idea. Cl- Cliff, is this gonna help? Like, what's gonna happen? It'll help. It, it it will help. Okay. Okay, Joe. Definitely, definitely, definitely. They made the move because they found out Ime could move. That's Was that's what they found out. Sure. That's why they made the move. Otherwise, they would have stuck with Nash the whole season. That's what I truly believe. Mm-hmm. No matter how bad he was. <laughs> but I think they found an opportunity to upgrade. They were like, oh, look at this shiny, really good coach. What were we saying right before all the drama happened? This guy, top five coach in the league. Yeah, top great five coach. coach. Great coach. But as you mentioned, the Nets have so much freaking drama we haven't even talked about Kyrie's endorsement of exactly. anti-semitic films <laughs> as a distraction because it ranks uh, so low on the drama scale of everything that is happening in brooklyn Ime yudoka as good of a coach as he is that dude bringing so much baggage to me joe this doesn't feel like the bachelor or the bachelorette it feels like the spinoff bachelor in paradise you want people starving for love check you want to add in the beach and bathing suits check add in alcohol check add in all-star dramatic people from their seasons check add in producers that are designing twists to make people insane check that is the brooklyn nets right now and as great of a coach as ime udoka is in isolation as great great of an all-time player Kevin Durant is in isolation and as great great most skilled player of all time prettiest player of all time Kyrie is in isolation how are they gonna make this work how there's a reason uh, you know the bachelor or the bachelorette which you watch sometimes right you watch I watch all the time I watch. I do not watch. Yeah, I I don't watch. I see, I see Boomy watching it, and the thing is, I can see that The Bachelor creates drama. It's good at creating drama, and if I actually do invest myself in The Bachelor, then by the end of it, yeah, I'll be really interested, right? What's a machine? And I can see with no sound. Because Boomy also watches Bachelor in Paradise. That Bachelor in Paradise go takes something that is meant to be dramatic and turns it trashy. Into, it turns it into chaos. It is just, yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's not, you know, uh, the Bachelor is like where you actually root for the people, right? 
you're like, oh yeah, you know, I want this person to yeah win or it's not really winning, right? But I want these people to be together. I want these people to yeah. fall in love. I hope they choose the right person. Yeah. Right. But Bachelor in Paradise changes it from that to like it's just a train wreck, and you're just watching the train wreck. Yeah. Right. You no longer care. You don't have a rooting interest. You know, you're not really like oh, I want these people to end up together. You're just watching disaster, and that's what the Nets have become, Cliff. Where I still cared, even though it was high drama, I still wanted Katie to succeed. I still yeah. wanted Kyrie to succeed. I still wanted there to be something there. But now they've crossed over, Cliff. <laughs> I don't care anymore, right? Like, it's not drama anymore. It's just chaos. It's just chaos. Yeah, it's just anarchy over there it's just disaster and like yeah i guess it's kind of interesting as a side story now but i'm not that interested to watch their games anymore mm. like i'm not like because they look are they gonna win a championship cliff no absolutely not <laughs> they have absolutely not they, they have, have no about chance. a zero percent chance i mean they no yeah chance. they've gone from about a five percent chance to like a negative five percent there's no like, no stability Unless they, get I do think they'll be crazy... better in the regular season, though. Sure. Then, then seven. I think they'll be better because Steve Nash is a horrible coach. Okay. Yes. He is an absolutely horrible coach. He doesn't have the ear of the players. He's not great X's and O's. He's not great ATO after timeouts. He's got pretty much nothing. There's no offense. I don't know what they're doing. There's no offense. There's nothing. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Emi Odoka is a great X's and O's guy. He's a good. Yeah. He's a good, you know, I mean, the thing is, presumably, he's a good locker room guy, right? But after you come out of a situation that he comes out of... You lose that. Yes, you absolutely lose that. You don't have the same voice, the same integrity. The gravitas is not there. It's not there. Come on. So, I mean, now you just... It's just a big old train wreck. And I don't know. I'm just... I'm depressed, Cliff. Like, it's... (laughs) I'm sad. Katie and Kyrie are two of my favorite on-the-court basketball players, maybe of all time. Like, I love just watching them in isolation just do their thing. You know, all the other stuff aside, drama aside, you know, all-time ranking aside, all that stuff. I'm talking about just their game on the court. Pure basketball enjoyment. Pure basketball. It's so fun to watch. But, oh, gosh, I just – I'm so sick of this. So sick of this story. Let's move to the Cavs. Something much better. Joe Donovan Mitchell, the prize of the summer. With the Knicks left standing at the altar, the Cavs <laughs> swooped him up to make a play at the title right now. We haven't seen this team at full strength because Darius Garland went down mm-hmm. with a pretty gruesome eye injury in the season opener, which is sad. But Donovan alone has been paying off. Year mm. six. Entering his prime, 26 years old. He went from 26, 4, 5, 45% last year to right now he is 32, 5, 7, 50% from the field. And it's not empty. It's translating to wins because the Cavs mm. have started the season 5 and 1. Joe, boom or bust or burn it to the ground on the Cavs preseason rankings at 8th. Cliff, obviously I'm boom. Eighth? What the eighth? Are you kidding me? Eighth? This Shanae, is Shanoanen, Shanae projections. Uh, it's Shaney. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, 
you, you, you gotta go boom on this. Uh, this is probably the boomiest boom <laughs> of all the booms. Big yes, boom. Yes, the Cavs are so three thousand eight. ESPN so two thousand and late. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a small sample size, okay, but offensive rating one seventeen point nine fifth in the NBA. 117.9 points per 100 possessions. Yes, that is freaking good. Okay, defensive rating, 105.9 second in the NBA. Wow. Net rating, plus 12 first Ooh. in the NBA. And then SRS, which we've taken, simple rating system, which we talk about a lot, which takes into account strength of schedule, 14.02 first in the NBA and SRS is one of those stats that it pretty much is a simple way to say how good a team is. And so, yes, I know it's a small sample size, but Cliff, they've been playing this tough team, teams. They have been. That's why. Cause so that takes into account strength of schedule and Cliff, I don't think they will, but they have a legit shot to come out of the East. Yeah. This team has a legit shot to go uh, to the yeah. finals. And as high as yeah. both of us were on the Cavs, you know, I think we yeah. were thinking more for second round. Like a, yeah, four seed, second round, home court in the first round, but, you know, yeah. a tough second round out. Yeah. I mean, they have, they can legitimately go to the finals. I believe in Donovan. I yeah. believe this team plays hard. They're long. They play yeah. defense. They got yeah. some veterans like Kevin yeah. Love on this team. You know, they and they are just scratching the surface of how good they can be considering yeah. Darius Garland played all of 13 minutes this season yeah. after getting hurt in the first game of the season. They got guys like Karis LeVert who can come in and drop 41 on any given night. Dude. You know, I mean, we've we've gone over I'm well, you'll go over the guys too, the roster, but yeah. I mean, I I think this is a really good team and by the way, contrast to the Brooklyn Nets they got no drama, okay? <laughs> Nothing going on here. They seem like they are hungry, and they got a legit star in Donovan. So I'm boom. Boom, boom, pow for me, Cliff. Dude, the Cavs, we talked about Donovan. Darius Garland going to come back. He's a former All-Star, and he's playing well. They chose him over Sexton. Right decision. Yes. Right decision. The Cavs, here's what I want to talk about. The Cavs are deep. Mm. Deep. Mm. They have six other players outside of Donovan averaging double digits. That's seven players. Wow. And, of course, also Garland sits out of that because he hasn't averaged 10 points because wow. he played so 13 you're not minutes even counting a game. Da- you're not even counting Darius in that. I'm not even counting Darius Garland wow. in that. That's, so there's potential That's eight crazy. players in double-digit figures with the top guy averaging 32 points per game. There is no team, not one, in the top eight that has that. The Bucs have three other players, uh, you know, with double digits. Celtics have two. Hawks have three. Raptors have five. Sixers have three. Knicks have three. Bulls have three. Wow. They are two other teams with six other players averaging double digits. That's the Hornets at six, the Magic at six, but none of them have the talent of Donovan Mitchell at the top with 32, yeah, 30 points per game. I'll mm-hmm. read the stats. You got Mobley, Evan Mobley, coming up, Mr. 
so, second year, 16-6-2. Karis LeVert, 15-4-7. Jared Allen, 12-12-2. Seti Osman, 12-2-2. Caleb, 12-8-2. D. Wade, 11-4-2. That's Dean, not Dwayne. <laughs> if I'm a Cavs fan, Joe, I'm obviously going boom on this. I'm pissed that they gave us eighth. And I'm starting to salivate at the possibility mm. of a championship right now. I thought that they were going to be contending two to three years. After the first year, they get in the groove of it. Second yeah. year, they're like, make a legitimate shot. Third year, maybe they ascend or maybe they add another piece. But as long as they can have consistent production from that three-point line and they have shooters, there is a lot of possibility out there. I think to me, the Cavs right now, if you're watching them, they are like a great pilot, great mm. pilot that hooks you mm. immediately. It's not probably not lost. It's not like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> greatest pilot of all time, it's not which like it still is. Life. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it could be like Modern Family where it's like mm. unexpected. You know Ed O'Neill's in there. You're like, oh, okay, it could be good. But you're like, oh, shoot. This is a really funny show. Yeah. <laughs> really, really good ensemble cast Excellent putting this pilot. together. Yes. Excellent pilot. And you you would assume there's going to be a lot of great things left to be uncovered because of such a great pilot. That's how I feel about the Cavs. And if I'm a Cavs fan, I look at Kobe Altman. I'm like, wow, Mm. great president, great GM that have put together a roster post LeBron. Not too long after LeBron that is contending potentially for a championship. Gives me hope as a Lakers fan that not all will be lost <laughs> in the years after LeBron in continues to decimate era. decimate the Lakers oh, franchise gosh. actively. Yeah, the problem is not when LeBron's gone. The problem is LeBron is going to continue to stay <laughs> for many seasons. He is decimating it actively. Yes, that is the problem. But I mean, I agree. Look, the Cavs, they look amazing and there are some teams I think one we're about to get into that do not look even as good as <laughs> as people thought they would be. I'll let you get into it. <laughs> That's a great segue. That's a great segue, Joe. So let's talk about the Sixers. The Sixers are back. They're back. Retain their core after Harden's free agency. They're like, is Harden going to wow. leave? No, of course not. His boy is the GM. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> Embiid, Harden, Tobias, Maxi, PJ Tucker. Joe, that is a sick Starting five. They also got DeAnthony Melton they added. Montrez Harrell they added. Woo! While, while retaining Matisse, Shake, Furkin. They got a great 10. Really great 10. But what's going on? <laughs> they started the season 0-3, but they've crawled back to 4-4. Four and four. Joe, ESPN has the Sixers at 3. Boom Buster, burn it to the ground on the Sixers. Again, obvious bust, Cliff. (laughs) Um, Man, they're just not very good. They're just not very good. So here's the thing for me, Cliff. Right now, they're about a top 10 offense. They're somewhere in there. They're like 8 to 10. They're about a bottom 10 defense. They're somewhere down there. The problem for me is pace. They are 29th in the league in pace, so second to last. That's not good for Harden. Yeah, it's not good for Maxi. It's not good for the shooters. It's the same problems. It's the same problem the Lakers have. Mm-hmm. Like when you're in a half court set, you're more predictable. It's harder yep. for the role players to get good shots. And we see that's another thing we see with the Lakers a lot. 
like even in the finally the Lakers won a game, right? I know we're not talking about the West, but we got to at least bring it up, right? The Lakers will not go winless this season, guys. We got one win at least. <laughs> but you saw it. Russ was plus 18 in that game. LeBron yeah. was minus one in that game. Whenever yeah. LeBron's in the game, the pace is just dead slow. It's half Iso. court every single time. And even though I know people are like, oh, yeah, look, it's amazing how he gets those skip passes and then he gets it to open shooters. Like, you know that getting that kind of shot is not the same as getting a shot in transition. You know, right. in a half court set, when a guy's closing out on you or something, it's just not the same. You know, it's it's yes, it's still easier than having to create your own shot. Right. But it's it's much easier in transition when everyone's coming back and you're getting a shot in transition. And that's the thing. When I watch the Sixers and Embiid is in there, they don't get any transition shots Mm. because Embiid is always slow. He's always trailing the play. So they're just going to pick up everybody. And then when Embiid comes back, they'll switch back onto him. And you just can't create any advantages like that. I've seen Harden. Like, what is this? Like, motion to MB to speed up. You know, I've seen him do this. And uh, Maxi also, like, Maxi's good being kind of like a one-man fast break, you know, creating offense like that. But he's not going to have a lot of chances when, when Embiid is out there. Now, Embiid's obviously your best player. That just creates problems. You know, how are you going to get these guys to get easy buckets? I, I don't like that. I think the Sixers are the kind of team that they're just stuck. Mm. You know, to me, it's kind of like season three of Big Bang Theory. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, it's kind of interesting at first. And you're like, oh, this seems like a funny show. And then they just kind of settled into the same stale jokes. Right. And then they're just playing on the same tropes. And look, they'll never, ever win a championship. But can Embiid maybe get an individual Emmy? Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, he's got a shot, I guess. Yeah. Um, But they're basically going to be a second round playoff exit for what? I mean, however many seasons they want to run. A foreseeable future. Yeah. If they want to go five seasons like this, they're just going to be this exact team for five. They're going to be a a five to eight seed, you know, for five seasons. And they can always make the second round, maybe. You know, they'll always have a chance for the second round. But. I can't really see them doing anything else unless something dramatic changes. Like they need to have some dramatic changes. I'm I'm honestly not even sure if it's possible to burn it to the ground. I, 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 how? You know what I mean? Like there isn't really a path to burn it to the ground. You you can't just get rid of Embiid, you know, for nothing. You know, so you, you'd have to build her on Maxi, and then you got to give up Embiid for something. Yeah, that's just. I mean. Think about that. If they did that, imagine what has this all been about for the past decade? Nothing. The process, that whole thing, it's nothing. all for nothing. It's all for nothing. It was all for nothing, which is just crazy. Joe, here's the thing. The numbers are fine, right? MB 27-10-3. And you look at that in isolation. It's great. Harden in 22-7-10. The problem to me is like there just does not seem to be like any desire mm. or any effort. Like mm. PJ Tucker was yelling at his teammates that they needed to earn the wins. Like how, why does anyone need that yell that? That's, <laughs> why don't how, you know how that? else do you get a win? <laughs> you know, Doc Rivers said, we're not ready yet. We're just, honestly, we're just not. 
We're not ready to win yet. You can feel that, and we got a lot of work to do. You still got to go out and earn the game. Another moment of earn, right? Saying the same things. Like, this isn't new as well. This is the kind of stuff that they were talking about when Simmons was here with Embiid. You know, so there is a culture here created by their best player, you know, for better or for worse. And I love Embiid, but, like, this is a part of his personality. Like, you got to go out and get it. Like, the MVP. You got to go out and get it from Jokic. You can't just cry about it. Like, I'm never going to get it. I'm never going to get the MVP. Like, they... They're never going to give it to me. It's like, what else can I do? What else can you do? Go get 40 then. You know? Yep. You you got to go build the mojo. Like, to me, my question to you is, is Embiid over? Is it done? Like, he has zero signature moments in the playoffs. He's 28, which is kind of older for a big man. And yep. it's starting to feel like it's all just slipping away from him. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe. What, what can they – only because what's the path now? Do you know what I mean? It's like when yeah. you're a younger player, there is this idea that you're going to get better. Yeah. You know, And then when you're in kind of a Donovan situation, there's an idea where you can switch teams. You yeah. know, it's like your free agency is coming up. You know, things can change. Like the organization can do different things. They can put different pieces around you. But now we've already seen it with Embiid. Yeah. We've pretty much seen everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen him in the playoffs. We've seen him with Ben Simmons. Now we've seen him with Harden, and nothing's really changed. You know, they've got Maxi. They've had Tobias Harris. They had Jimmy Butler. Like, there have been so many good players that he's played with, and yet it never really amounted to anything. And I agree with what you're saying about him kind of like whining and stuff like that. Like, I blame tanking, honestly. Like, I blame the process. And yeah. this is one of the reasons that I never liked the process because yep. you can't change culture on on a dime, you know, and you look at the Celtics, you look at the heat, you know, you look at organizations that no matter what happens, they always try to win and they end up being the teams that come out the fastest. Yeah. Right. Because when some of the balls go their way, you know, when some of the bounces go their way, then all of a sudden they're Momentum. ready. They're ready to accept that. Yeah. And they're ready to jump. And then you look at other teams like the Magic, the Kings, the Knicks, you know, a lot of these teams who are either they're relying on the draft, you know, they're they're looking for a home run or like the Knicks, they have kind of a sense of entitlement. Like, oh, you know, there's this always this belief like, oh, people are going to come. We're the Knicks. So we're going to draw like a good. We're going to draw good free agents or even the Lakers. You know, there's like an enti- there's been an entitlement over the past yeah. several seasons. Like, oh, we're going to, you know, people we're always going to be able to get free agents. Like people are always going to come. And look what's happened, man. Our culture is trash. That's the Sixers. Like if you're just waiting for, oh, all we need to do is get lucky. And then we get the players we want. We're going to suck until we get the players we want. And then we're automatically going to be awesome. Because isn't that like the idea of the process? Yeah, once we get the players, we're just automatically going to be good. Now they're constantly talking about you got to earn it. You have to earn wins in basketball. I mean, come on, man. Like, that's why I don't, I never liked the idea of the process. I was never for tanking. And I think we're kind of seeing, unfortunately, some of the results of that kind of thinking. As you're talking, the puzzle pieces are kind of coming together for me. 
They think a championship is a byproduct of tanking. Like yeah. of like like their goal was completed. They got Embiid and Simmons. Yes. Like yes. and Harden. We won. Like it's over. We won. <laughs> yeah. We won. Basically. We got yeah. it. They reached their goal, right? A championship isn't the goal. It's like the fruits of their goal. Of the goal. Right. Yes. You know? That's a like good way that to put that it, yeah. was their like it was mentality. just automatically gonna happen. Right. Right. Cause like they, they reached the pinnacle. Yes. And then and then after the pinnacle, people just shower them. And one of the showering is the Larry <laughs> O'Brien. Oh, here you go. Yep. That that was their mentality. Whereas the other great mentalities is we gotta scratch and claw to build something to reach our way to the mountaintop, right? Yes. So one way is through the draft, one way is through trades, one way is through culture. Like there's so many, all these things, but it's like, we got to go and get it and yeah. win it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between the Sixers culture. And I think this whole entitled thing really is stemming from like, we got Embiid. We did it. <laughs> We won. (laughs) And then for him, he's like, I'm the king. That's great. (laughs) You know? But then when he goes to other cities, like, wait, what's going on? (laughs) Like, why, why aren't you guys just letting me dunk? Yeah. I mean, even, even the fact that Embiid didn't play like in his early seasons, I remember there was a conversation. I think it was on JJ Reddick's podcast, but where they were talking about playing through injury. Yeah. And, um, you know, Embiid's whole thing was basically that he didn't play through injury. No. Yeah, because, you know, it was just like, oh, they wouldn't let me kind of thing. Like, I, you know, it was it was this kind of, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a big thing. You know, it just kind of, they just kind of moved on from it. But I just remember hearing it that it was something like a little off. You know what I mean? Just in yeah. the mentality of, uh, you know, like you can only save for the future so much. Yep. Right. There has to be a moment where it's like now or never. Right. You know, there has to be a moment where it's like, all right, now is either we're going to put, we're going to go all in right now or else we're going to slowly dwindle all of our chips away. Yeah. We're going to blind out as the blinds increase in a tournament. Exactly. You got to pick a spot to put your chips in. There's never going to be an opportunity where you put, you get aces. Like that doesn't happen often. And it's a risk. It's like, yes, something you might just bust, go bust, right? You might lose all your chips, but otherwise you're never going to win. You're just going to slowly bleed out. And to me, that's basically what's happened to Philly. They're already bleeding out. And now as their chips dwindle, they have fewer and fewer options. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because going all in later when you're short stacked, even if you win – you know, you don't win, right? Even if you win, you're just kind of like back in it. And to me, it's like that's just where they're at. They're, they're, they have just enough chips to just stay in the game until the end, but not make win. the money, but not win the title. Not win the title. That's the problem, Joe. But let's talk about someone that may win the title the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Celtics mired in the biggest actual controversy <laughs> of the off season as we mentioned above Ime Udoka suspended for the season 
They also had to contend with the imaginary drama of Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant trade rumors. Jalen Brown was like, WTF. (laughs) But the team has shown to be resilient, you know, starting the season four and two with an interim head coach. Joe, boom or bust or burn it to the ground on the Celtics preseason expectations of the one seed. I mean, gotta go boom for me, which is to say, I believe they will be the one seed because you can't go higher than the one seed. But um, look, the Celtics were my pick to be the one seed, you know, coming into the season. I had, you know, Celtics, Bucks, and you got to go Cavs now, although I think I had Heat coming in. But here's what I like about the Celtics, Cliff. Continuity. Mm. Continuity. They have a bunch of no-nonsense, no-drama, no-changes players who are just interested in the game of basketball at the moment. Mm. They're not doing anything else. These guys aren't doing no movies. You know, they're not doing, like, stuff on the side. They don't have, yeah, crazy social media accounts. Like, they, they don't do anything. They just play basketball. And to me, that is the culture of a championship team. Like, I'm not saying they're going to win the championship, at least not right now, but they definitely can win the championship, and they should definitely be considered in the short list of teams that are capable of winning a championship. I look at their roster, Cliff. Yeah. They have Jason Tatum, yep. Jalen Brown, yep. Al Horford, yep. Robert Williams, yep. Derek White, Malcolm mm-hmm. Brogdon, Peyton Ooh. Pritchard, Marcus uh-huh. Smart. You never, ever see these guys' names on TMZ. Okay, Cliff. Never you on never TMZ. see these guys' names no. on any other news outlet than ESPN. the sports ones. Yeah, yeah, ESPN, right? No drama, no headaches, no divas, no ego. This is probably one of two truly uh, egoless teams in the NBA. The other one, I think, would be Golden State. Mm. Right now, they're like season four or five of The Office. Mm. Okay, They are hitting their stride. They have a true ensemble cast. Tatum is Michael Scott. Jalen is Dwight. Marcus Smart is Jim. Horford <laughs> is Pam. You know, that's the core of this team. <laughs> But, like, they got a Kevin or an Andy Bernard or a Daryl. Like, any of these guys can be the main in any episode, right? Like, they can step up. They're cool not stepping up. But, yeah, if they need to step up, they'll step up. You know, they're a team. They know their characters. They know their lines. They know how to play off one another. Like, you don't get dinner party, Cliff, (laughs) unless you're four seasons in and everybody knows when he pushes – the flat screen into the te- into the wall, right? And he's like, <laughs> "When I have guests over, it just mm. goes right into the go. wall. <laughs> like you can't even hold it. Like you can't hold it together <laughs> unless you've been together for a while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, can you have a moment where Kevin is spilling the chili and it's just like the funniest thing you've ever seen? <laughs> yeah." Yeah, man. Like, Derek White can drop 30. Any of these guys. uh, Malcolm Brogdon. You got Brogdon, who's, Mm -hmm. like, on his own, can get a triple-double if he he wants. Mm -hmm. Like, if they're going to have to rely on him to do that, he can do that. So, I mean, this has got to be the most, I would say, like, rock-solid team in the NBA. That's what I would say at this point. Are they the best team? I don't know if they're the best team. But 
are they a very reliable kind of consistent team like you know what you're gonna get i don't mean they're perfect they still have some offensive struggles they still go through those little lulls sometimes but overall i would say they are probably yeah the most maybe maybe the bucks them or the bucks but i would say overall probably team wise i would have to go with them i'm gonna go bust Ooh, not I have the Bucks one, huge bust, I, or I have bust. the Celtics too. Oh, so, okay. so mini, know, mini bust, mini bust. Yeah. But I am very pleasantly surprised with the Celtics. I thought they'd be crumbling without Ime Udoka. I thought um, that drama would destroy them. But to me, the Celtics' success right now on the back of Jason Tatum. Mm. I have not sung his praises on this podcast. <laughs> I have constantly berated him for his three moves. <laughs> the other thing is, he's been a historically slow starter. We've also yeah. made fun of that on this podcast, saying this dude is shooting 37%. <laughs> Takes him a while to get into rhythm. Different than Jokic, who just parties all summer, but Tatum's working out all summer, and yet he can't, like, like it's like, accuracy's not there. But that finals loss and mm. all like the f the critiquing finally that like had like that went on him, like it pushed him for his best start of his season ever. Potentially his best season yet is coming. Right now, 31-7-4 on a ridiculous 56-41-90 split. Career highs. Nearly across the board. But the other thing is. It's also on the shoulders of Jalen Brown, 25-7-3. Jalen, career high in scoring. And, of course, like you mentioned, don't forget the heist of the summer. Outside of Donovan, you got Malcolm Brogdon, the only other Celtic averaging double figures. Isn't that insane? The only other one. And he's coming yeah. off the bench. What a wealth of riches to have Malcolm Brogdon come off the bench. He would start for the Lakers. He would start mm. for most teams. Mm. But, 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 I think without the stability of Ime Udoka, without the controversy, and I think the controversy surrounding that, Udoka in Brooklyn, all that baggage over there, I don't think, I think it's going to be too much to overcome in the playoffs. I think they'll have a good season, really good season. I think Tatum is going to contend for MVP, but I just don't think they can get they can beat a team like the bucks wait is this coming out of the east or is this the one seed uh yeah i mean i still have them not as the one seed okay, but sure. i'm just like thinking ahead yeah yeah i mean i don't well i don't know actually if it were a healthy bucks i'd go bucks also yeah in the playoffs but i still think the celtics will get the one seed yeah look the celtics are a good team and if you're a Celtics fan, you should be encouraged by what you're seeing on the court. Very encouraged, especially given all the drama that has happened. Look, watching Tatum, how he's come back from that defeat, you should be encouraged. He didn't fold. He's upgraded. Jalen Brown, from everything that he's heard, ticking in stride, is a professional, come back, highest scoring average of his career. You should be encouraged. You know, there's a lot of things to be positive about. There's a lot of good things around. And they, you know what? They could surprise us. 
but I just don't know well, how you can do it without the stability. <clears throat> Honestly, if the Celtics go back to the finals, I'm not going to be surprised. Mm. Like, I'm not going to be – I don't know. Right now, I wouldn't pick them, but I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics are ascending. There's no reason to think that they have their – yeah, I mean, there's no reason. They're not old. They haven't lost anybody. In fact, they've gained. They've become more talented. The only thing I guess you could point to is that Ime thing, right? But, yeah. But my whole thing about that is, especially now, I don't think it's going to do it. I don't think it's going to matter because yeah. they just shipped Ime out to another team <laughs> that's going to absorb all of the drama of Ime. Hmm. Yeah, so now the Celtics don't even have to answer a single question about Ime ever because the the Nets are going to have to answer all of those questions. Like now the Nets are they're going to have to go through that whole thing. The Celtics never have to think about it or talk about it ever again. Which is crazy. Like literally the Nets just helped the Celtics. <laughs> because at least if they just had that hanging over their head at some point Look, we haven't heard a ton of details about it. All we've yeah. heard is former players reacting to it. That's true. And some of their reactions have been so bad. Like yeah. they're like, oh, man, I thought, you know, I defended him. Yeah, Matt Barnes. And then it's like, oh, I got to take it back. Like it's really bad. See, you know at some point some kind of it's story gonna is going to drop. Yeah. And some people are going to come out of the woodwork and there's going to be some talking about whatever happened. And all of that is going to create a ton of drama. And if Ime was just suspended by the Celtics, the Celtics would have to answer all those questions. But now Celtics don't have to answer any of those questions. Now Brooklyn's going to have to answer all those questions. Sean Marks is going to have to answer all those questions. Kyrie and KD are going to have to answer all those questions. And they're going to be the ones who are going to be like... Did you read the story that came out? And it's not going to be an ESPN, Cliff. Yeah, it's going to be in, like, the Washington Post, right? It's going to be in, like, the New York Times or something. It's going to be in one of these reputable papers. It's going to be four just... times the reporters. Yes. And it's going to be like, oh, did you read about this? Because, you know, all these stories came out. And, you know, Katie's going to have to be sitting there doing his aloof thing where he's like, uh, you know, I don't know what Ime does. You know, that was last year or <laughs> whatever. Like he's going to have some canned answer that's going to be a non-answer. I mean, look, Cliff, I think the Nets just saved the Celtics. <laughs> mm, interesting. That's an interesting take. Isn't it true, though? Like, you had that hanging over your head, and now you're like, oh, cool. It's somebody else's problem now. Like Now I don't even got to deal with it. That could be true. All right, Joe, let's speed through the rest. Real quick. Boom, bust, or burn it to the ground. Put one on each of these teams. The Heat, the Bulls, the Raptors. Um, Bust the Heat. Mm. Boom the Bulls. I mean, the rap bust, I guess, the Raptors. But I just basically think they're where they are. Mm. They're about where they're supposed to be. Yeah, their expectations are the fourth seed. Yeah, I mean, roughly, maybe a little yeah. lower. I think they'll maybe be a little bit lower. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think, even know where yeah. the Heat are supposed to be, but oh, the six. I mean, I'm just bust because, I don't know, it, it, they don't look right to me. The Heat? Yeah. But, yeah, they just don't look right. I mean, I don't know exactly what What's it wrong is. with Bam? Yeah, I mean, I think Bam also is is a little bit of like a post 
should have went all in at some point, like on his career. Like he's a little, I don't know if he's going to get better. Do you know what I mean? At this point. And he's, his offensive game is just not good enough. I'm going to go boom on the bulls because 12th is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go bust on the Raptors because fourth is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna burn it to the ground, the Miami Heat. Ooh. I I think Oh, was I supposed to pick one for each? Yeah. <laughs> uh, whoops. Yeah. I, I think you've capped where you are with the Heat. Mm. Yeah. Like I think the final push of the Miami Heat was the three that Jimmy shot to get to the NBA finals. And when he missed, yeah. that was the time that it was time to burn it down. I think mm. Kyle Lowry is over. There's something wrong with Bam. PJ Tucker is gone. Like all the pieces are kind of missing. I think get tra- send Jimmy out for whatever you can get for him while he's still good, and start over. Burn it to the yeah. ground. Yeah, I, I mean, I I agree. I, I I agree. The Heat. Yeah, I don't know if like the landscape has changed in the East, and now they just don't really have a shot to make any real noise there. And so the Cavs are there. The Hawks are there. The Bucks are there. The Celtics the are there. Celtics That's four teams yeah. easily. It, yeah. It's tough. I think it's tough in that to crack that. Okay. Boom or bust on the Bucks making the finals. I'm boom on the Bucks. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Gotta be. They, Gotta be. You got Giannis. Giannis. I mean, you were basically what you were like a shot away last season and you didn't have Middleton. <laughs> they're I mean, so crazy. They're yeah. So Jan- good. I don't think they're so good. I just think Giannis is so good. <laughs> I just think Giannis is so good. Giannis I is like the best the player in the NBA. They, he is the best undisputed. And yeah. And you just give him a shot, you know, and you got to bet on him if he has a shot. So, I mean, provided Middleton's healthy, even if Middleton's not healthy, I think they have a shot. I mean, if Middleton is healthy, I think you got a much, yeah, you got a much better shot. Prime Jordan or, you know, (laughs) the the opposite, whatever the the low end of that is. Yeah. Or Chris Middleton, basically. (laughs) (laughs) He goes from prime Jordan to 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 average Chris Middleton. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so when he's prime Jordan, you know, they're just demolishing teams. And when he's average Chris Middleton, you know, you still got Giannis. So they're still <laughs> – they can win, basically. All right, last one, Atlanta. Boomer bust on the pairing of DeJounte and Trey. This is kind of tough, actually. Um, ah, man, I- I'm going to say bust. Whoa! Yeah, I'm going to say bust. Even though I think they're playing fine together. Yeah. But I think I don't think this is what's going to move Atlanta, like move the needle for Atlanta. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. Like they are better, I think, and they're going to make the playoffs, but it's too weird. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're too similar of a player. Like yeah. you need more differentiation. And I just feel like when you get down, like when you get into the playoffs, you're going to have more problems than you're creating for your opponent. So, yes, it's cool to have this kind of two-point guard-ish lineup, but you're going to have way more defensive liabilities, I think, mm-hmm. when it really gets down to playing the same team seven times than it's the other way around. So I mm. got to go bust, even though I like it. I think for the regular season it's cool and it's fun, but I, I got to go bust. Mm. That's unfortunate. I'm going to go boom, of course. 
Because <laughs> I believe I believe in the supervillains, Trey and DeJounte. I can't <laughs> wait till they're in the playoffs. I can't wait till they play the Knicks. And they just, oh, they get booed out. They're going to be the new DX, okay? Oh, Bring yeah. D-Generation I would be super X. happy to see them destroy the Knicks, but uh, <laughs> it's I don't gonna think they're going to advance too far. It's going to be amazing, and I, and I can't wait. But this does feel very uh, Portland East. You know, uh, that's very, a good way to put it, actually. Yeah, yeah. CJ and Dame, where it's they're like capped. capped. Yeah. They're yes. capped in their championship potential, but yes. they will be very good and a lot better than people think. Hey, I'm going to watch, and I'm going to love it. So <laughs> I'm still on board. It's just uh, I think adva- it's going to be hard to go further than they've gone in the past. All right, that's it for the Eastern Conference standings. We'll be back with our two for the road after this. This episode of SBR is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling, enriching the lives of our millions of listeners every day. Audible has reinvented a media category and is the driving force behind today's audio entertainment revolution with over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. An exclusive for SBR listeners, visit www.audibletrial.com slash SBRpod for one free audiobook on us. Free? Free! Wow. Cliff, I've heard from many of our listeners that they are surprised that we were able to get a reputable company like Audible to advertise through SBR. Are you surprised by that? No, we have no business being here, (laughs) but we're here anyway. Thanks, Audible, our new Sama. Audible Sama. Thank you. Audible Sama. (laughs) Here we go. We're back for our two for the road. Joe, I'll go first. My one for the road. Bleach. Ichigo. Bankai <laughs> is back. The thousand year blood war. It's been years since Bleach mm. went off the air. It's been years. a thousand years. Yeah. In anime <laughs> in anime time. But the Quincy versus Shinigami war is here. There's no mm. fillers. It's all action. It's four episodes mm. in at this time. And you already see all the Quincy's fighting the captains. Already. Nice. Four episodes in. You already see Ichigo going crazy, breaking things. You see characters you haven't seen in a while. Everyone's got a new outfit that they upgraded in the store with VC (laughs) coins. (laughs) Nice. Like, it looks... It's fun. And it's interesting because, of course, it's animated to 2022 standards. So it's a very little bit different, a little bit faster paced kind of animation. But overall, so good to see an anime that is fresh and new, mm. but it's old and familiar at the same same time. And mm. it's good when it's just all action mm. and it's and it's fast paced. And they said they're going to add things that they haven't seen, that fights you haven't seen in the manga to the anime. And it's just like, okay, it's going to be <laughs> real good. It's going to be real good. I don't remember this um, storyline being that great. And it never can be. 
as we mentioned in the last podcast, as we mentioned in all all the previous things where we talk about storylines, you can't have a bad guy that's better than the worst villain. It just <laughs> yeah. doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But you can have cool fights. That's what you can have. And so I think that's what's going to happen with the Thousand Year Blood War. Bleach is back, Joe. Ichigo is back. And I couldn't be happier. It's great. Hmm. I definitely have to check that out. I've been waiting for a few episodes to go to by. So up. I don't, yeah, because I don't want to just watch one episode. I have to wait. So um, I'm excited. I'll probably check that out soon. It's, it's, you don't have to wait long for the, for things to happen, which is mm. what's really fun. Nice. It's kind of like, we're just going to get to the point. <laughs> If you're watching us, you probably watched Bleach already. We don't need to explain, right? <laughs> you know what what all these people are, what the ranking system of Soul Society is, what nice. Hueco Mundo is. Yeah. One really interesting touch that I really like is how they use different languages for the different groups. Yeah. <laughs> they always do that in anime. Yeah, Jap the, the Japanese is for Soul Society. And yeah. Spanish is for the hollows, and now yeah. German is for the Quincy's, and yeah. English is for the um, uh, Fullbringers. Hmm. Yeah, you know they're racist over there. They always make uh... <laughs> they always make you know Japan is like the and the hometown heroes. heroes. I mean, I mean, of course, <laughs> of course, it's fine. and all the other languages are the evil <laughs> villains. <laughs> It's all fine. good enough. Makes sense. I, I mean, it's it, it's not racist. It's you know, I like the way Japanese people say other languages. Though there's just something great. I just Sounds the cool. only thing I don't like is when they speak English. I don't know why. It just it doesn't roll <laughs> off the tongue so well. But when they speak Spanish in Japanese accents, it sounds good. I don't know what it is. It sounds like refreshing. well, it's probably because English is your native language, and so when you hear it, it sounds bad. But uh, when you hear other languages that are not your native language, you don't yeah, know maybe. what it's actually supposed to sound like. So I mean, That's you do know what it's supposed true. to sound like, but you don't, you know, natively speak it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably like, that sounds cool. Yeah, All right, Joe. What is your one for the road? Uh, My one for the road is The Rise and Fall of And One. Oh. One of these Netflix documentaries. The Untold Stories. So good. The Untold Stories. Yeah, it's been very interesting watching these. But um, it's just a great – it's just entertaining, honestly. Basically, it's a documentary about a startup. It's about And One, the startup. You know, yeah. and um, going into it and looking at how it came about yeah, and how kind of the business side of it and all of that, because, you know, we didn't really know a lot about that. We didn't that. know that side. Yeah. And even how the An One mixtape became a thing, you know, yeah. just that it came up through the offices of And One from the street, literally, yeah. and then they distributed it and then they you know, went more in that direction and they started producing it. The whole thing about like Stefan Marbury and how he got hurt wearing Adam's yeah, shoes. I remember his that. First game. That's so crazy how it's like, what a disaster. Like you want yeah. to compete with Nike that happens. And then you have to completely pivot and just going back through that era, you know, as cliff, like when we were in college, 
that's when N1 Mixtape Tour was on all the time on ESPN2. Yep. And we would yep. basically watch it on repeat yep. all the time. It'd be playing at our house. And it was it's it's just super entertaining going back. It's a little bit of nostalgia. It's also a little bit of just I think I realized I didn't realize how much and one had an effect on the actual game of basketball. Mm. Because remember the pre and one world? Like no one people weren't doing like sham gods and no. like double behind the backs in the NBA. No. I yeah. mean, Tim Hardaway's double crossover was considered like a street ball move. Right. You know what I mean? Like like Allen Iverson's crossover was considered like a street ball move. Or, yeah. you know, Jay Will, you know, White mm-hmm. Chocolate, yes, he mm-hmm. did some kind of cool things. A lot of passes, but not a lot of crazy dribbling stuff. Like behind the back, you know, yeah. the kind of swooping behind the back. Like that was considered basically a street ball move. Now look at what Rondo Kyrie move. does. Yeah. Yeah. Look what Kyrie does with a basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh. Like <laughs> the things that he does. These combos, mm-hmm. the, even the things that have made it into like NBA 2K. Remember, it was like Street NBA Street. That was yeah, the yeah, yeah. the uh-huh. Street version. Mm-hmm. But now they literally do those moves in the NBA legally. Mm. Like they do it in a legal way now. It's elevated the game so much. So a lot of people talk about kind of Steph and the shooting and all that. But and one really elevated, I think, dribbling. Yeah. In the NBA, because kids came up doing it, and then they wanted to do it in the NBA, and so they did it. You know, they wanted to do it legally, and then they kind of made more legal versions of those moves. And so that was one thing that really stood out to me. And then the other thing was just, oh, man, I feel bad for, like, main event. Oh. Shane, the dribbling machine. You know, that kind of behind-the-scenes thing where they were talking about the pay and the contracts and how Mm -hmm. they kind of got screwed. Oh, man, that was tough. Um I would love for their – I don't know. I, I hope they can find a way back into something because it's – if YouTube was really around back then, I mean, they just have they YouTube They would monetize channels. all of it. They'd own all their Instagram. own stuff. Instagram. Yeah, they just own their – I mean, look at The Professor. The Professor has like 7 million followers on yeah. – or 7 million done well for uh, subscribers Yeah, on YouTube. And so I hope they find a way – I miss a little bit of that culture, the the street ball culture. Nowadays, that's kind of dead. Even basketball YouTubers, it's all about winning and stuff like that. It's not really about the art. I feel like watching this, it, I connected with Kyrie a little bit, Cliff. Mm. <laughs> I, You know, where they would say like, hey, it's not about winning. You know, yeah. it's about like creating something on the court, you know. Yeah. and Which is what he's all about. Yes. And so it was a little cool. It was cool to to reconnect with that. And so check it out. If you ever owned a pair of Anwin shoes, <laughs> if you ever remember, you know, street ball back in the day, check it out. It's a fascinating look at that whole story. You know what the thing that stood out for me the most was? Mm. Was when Nike tried to kill them. Mm, the commercial. The commercial. The greatest Nike commercial maybe ever created. And even they had to respect it. That was amazing. It's it's so funny because we, when that commercial came out, were like obsessed with that commercial, yeah. right? Yeah. But now knowing the backstory, like understanding what's going on behind the scenes gives me so much more appreciation for the fact that they came up with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's genius. It's genius. It's genius. Nike is a bunch of geniuses, though. Like, you got to give them credit. They have survived the test of time. 
they'll be around a hundred years from now. Just, and then I watched the collection of commercials we used to watch, like the Vince versus RJ Dunn contest. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? And I'm like, they're so smart. They're smart. They're so smart. Like it's, yeah, it's about the basketball. No, it's funny because while and one was skyrocketing, you know, in market share and their companies growing, you know, Nike was just thinking like, okay, what are we going to do? And it's crazy because they actually like, and one almost helped them. Do you know what I mean? Because and one had this viral kind of marketing to bring street ball and give it this credibility. And then, and one, and then Nike just said, Hey, we do street ball too. And then it just helped Nike. But yeah, that commercial. I bet you could remember the commercial by the sounds that I make. (laughs) I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. (laughs) Oh, so good. So good. All right. That's it, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the People's Pod. Subscribe, like, comment, share, rate. Give us five stars. We'll be back next week with more nonsense. This is SBR with Flippin' Joe. Peace.